0: Hey team, welcome back to the show. It is coach Natalie here, sans Jeremiah. And today I am joined by nutrition coach and good friend of Elevated Coaching Systems, Aaron Straker. Aaron, welcome back to the show. Can you let know. out? <laughs> How's it going?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I am doing super. Thank you. Um, so can you just give everyone a little intro, um, who you are, what you do, what you're up to, and anything else that might be relevant or interesting?
1: Yeah. So uh, like I said, Aaron Straker, uh, primarily a nutrition coach. I would say that is where my strengths are are most. Uh, that is where I believe uh, the most effective coaching, you know, comes for the largest, you know, majority of people. So that's where I really set my, my primary focus there, but in the last like year or so I've been uh, incorporating more of the training side into things professionally Uh, being fully transparent. I have two decades of training experience while my nutrition experience is maybe only about like six years from when I really started taking things seriously, but I was very hesitant in the beginning to, to bring training into things. However, like any, you know, good coach who spends enough time observing things, you get to see like when left to their devices, people will make not the best, you know, kind of training decisions or someone else is making them for them. And you're, you're leaving like some of the, some of the results of your clients up to, you know, the the potentially poor training of others. So, as a uh, self-righteous kind of control freak, I decided to that the more that I can control, the better that I can control our outcomes. So I decided to take a, as much of it uh, as I could on. So yeah, I've been uh, operating uh, what what is my nutrition coaching brand? I'm sure you can hear the the roosters in the background uh, going. That is uh, what living in Bali is like.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, why <laughs> so, don't you tell everyone where you are? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I live in Indonesia in Bali. Um, it is early morning here and the roosters are letting us know. Hmm.
0: And what is the time difference now? I'm East coast. So are we 12? Oh, East coast, 12 hours. All right. Even that makes it, that makes it easy. Except when daylight savings time happens,
1: right? Exactly. Then it, then it goes down to 13,
0: back even, to 13.
1: An
0: even 13. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So Um, I wanted to have you back on the show. So if you have not already listened to previous episodes with Aaron Straker, you should do that. They are great. But I wanted to have you back on the show uh, because I've been following you on social. We've connected a bit. I really enjoy connecting with you there. Um, I really enjoy following what you're up to, your coaching, your own journey, um, and some of the things that you're doing in the coaching space. So I know that you are in the middle of a build yourself. And I thought it would be really fun to have you on to talk a little bit about your experience in this current build. I know this is not your first rodeo, um, but I'm just interested more like kind of like an allegory um, of, of your journey thus far into this build um, so yeah, that's kind of the direction I want to go in. So uh, if we could start things off, um, just give us a little overview of of this season of your nutrition and training life. Like what what are you up to? What is the goal here?
1: Yeah, so actually, just this morning, like you know, thirty minutes ago before we started, I hit the, my goal weight for the build for the first time. Uh, we will continue pushing until at least an average, a weekly average at this weight. But yeah, two fifteen um, was the target after we moved it twice because we had two previous targets. But then, as we crossed those thresholds, my coach, who's Jackson Pios, was like, "Yeah, we're not fat enough. Like you're still too lean. You know, to, to cap a build, we gotta, we gotta keep pushing." Um. So when I really, really, really good uh question here. So when I reached out to Jackson, I had a kind of like a three three phase plan, and I said the past year. I, you know, every time I kind of diet it down around like 190, 192 is like, we're all kind of stopped. That's mm-hmm. sub 10% body fat for me. Life doesn't get better, you know, pushing leaner. I don't have any real aspirations to get on stage. There's no reason to keep dieting. I, I found so last year when I did that, was worse than the year before and I was like oh I botched like my off season of of regaining muscle coming out of my diet that sort of thing so I wanted to make sure this time that didn't happen again and I was like I want to hire a coach I want someone else to manage it and I just you know show up eat and lift sort of thing so we planned that out and it's I don't think initially we had a 6 month you know gain planned but I, I, and another thing, I think people try and put numbers and timelines too hard on things, especially like the gaining phase. And fortunately, like, I don't have any timelines, you know, it was just like, I I have this goal. I want to, I want, and then the goal is the next time I diet down the best physique of my life, right? That's the goal. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm willing to do, you know, whatever that takes. And I know that I have like, I had been previously larger and I had never reaccumulated that lost, you know, muscle tissue from spending too much time too lean and just not, you know, getting my weight back up high enough. So started the, started the build at about 197, 198 pounds, right. You know, January 1st. And Mm -hmm. now it's, you know, the, the, one of the, I think it is the final day of June. uh, And I've just first reached that 215. So I guess technically like 16, 17 pounds up.
0: In like was that like five months, January? Six months.
1: Six months.
0: Okay. And we, and we're still going as of this point, right?
1: As of this point, yeah. I, I, this week will not be an average of two fifteen since this is the, the first day I hit it. Uh, may I doubt even next week will be an average of two fifteen. It might take me two more weeks to actually get to that average, maybe three, um, and then we'll we'll see from there. But I I do have a feeling Jackson might be like, yeah, we're not fat enough yet. It's, <laughs> yeah, like. Two eighteen or two twenty is the goal, sort of thing now. Um, which I'm over it. I'm so over eating. I, I'm I am wantonly welcoming the the dieting and less food just because I'm so sick of eating.
0: I definitely want to get into that a little bit later. Um, But so how did you come up with this goal? Um, And, you know, when you approached Jackson, um, I know that this is very much a collaboration as you are very knowledgeable and experienced yourself. But how did we determine that, you know, hey, I think I think we should aim for 215 here. Like, I think I think that's where we should head.
1: Yeah. So one thing that I do as as a client when I have a coach is I just kind of give the reins. Right. Mm -hmm. and in the majority of the time that's worked out for the, for the better, there has been some times where I've, you know, just kept my mouth shut and I'm like, I don't, I'm not really sure about this, but Hey, I'm, I'm the client, not the coach. So I'm going to, you know, do as I'm told Uh, the original projection was two Oh six to two Oh eight. Okay. That, that, um, pounded trench, we got there and he's like, we'd be dumb to stop here. Like you barely put on, you know, any appreciable body fat pushing, um, the next target was 210, got there, same thing. And he was like, okay, let's, you know, kick the can down the road a little bit, 215 it is. Um, and that's how he landed there. But it was again, it was, there was no like hard, there was no hard number set in stone. It was a okay, this is like a two percent or two and a half percent body body weight increase. Um, I think it was closer to five, but let's start there mm-hmm. and then go from there, and that's what we've done.
0: That's, I mean, that's best case scenario, right? When there's no timeline, it just I find, you know, that's where the art tends to happen, um, and mm-hmm. timelines just kind of create unnecessary stress. Um, especially,
1: and- especially for hypertrophy because it's it's slow. Hypertrophy is slow. You cannot force feed it. Whereas with with a calorie deficit, timelines are a little bit more. Mm -hmm. approachable to work with because you have a a few more like tricks up your sleeve. You know, we can keep protein really, really high. We can increase activity. You know, there's different things that you can do, but you can't force feed hypertrophy And and the higher that caloric, you know, surplus goes the fatter that you get. So it's, it's definitely a bit of a unique situation where yeah, working against the timeline generally makes things worse. Um,
0: And especially like as a trainee with more experience. Um, That's
1: another. That's
0: you know, just going you know, go slow AF, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. So then, did you also set? You know, when you kind of first had your site set on that, like you know, two or five, two or six. Um. Are you? Were you looking for a certain rate of gain, um, week over week, and of course, like month over month? Like, talk me through that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, oh man, now that I have, I have a tool that I built that does these projections for me. So now I, since I use that, I forget what the numbers are. I do know dieting. It's half a percent to 1% for like a traditional, you know, right. fat loss. If you're doing a mini cut or something like that, it goes north of 1%, like 1% to 2%. Mm-hmm. The rates of gain, I do not remember. Um, they are obviously much, much lower. Um,
0: it's more like 0.25. 0. Yeah. 25.
1: and it, And it's kind of different. So you know, not to self promote here, but I have this thing called a, you know, a muscle gain model that I built based off of some, some papers from uh, Eric Helms and and Alan Aragon on like rates of gain and rates of loss. And then um, what's really wild is before I even knew Jackson, I had purchased his muscle gain handbook where he has his kind of own model. Jackson has a PhD and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll build this, you know, into my model. And then, you know, lo and behold, he's now a coach and a friend. And now we actually have that model, his model in like our, our coaching project together, but his is a little bit more like open-ended and and has a little bit more room for, um, you could say aggressiveness, but with him, like he kind of, I wouldn't say force, but he strongly encourages you to run a really tight ship. And when you're running a really tight ship, you can push harder, Um, so our rate of gain has been a little bit faster and actually I have like a, like a reel up on my Instagram from a few weeks back where I cover this Mm -hmm. of like, I have treated this, or we have treated this surplus with like the, the, the strictness and specificity of a caloric deficit, um, which is why I think it's gone so well. Mm -hmm. And with, um, for, I forget what I was going to say. Oh, Another reason why the, the rate has been a little bit faster is I have previously been bigger. Mm-hmm. So back in like 2000, early 2018, I was like north of 225 pounds. So, like, consider, I mean, that's another 10 plus pounds of, of what I am now, and like 27, 28 pounds up of where I started this build at. So, when you're, I am in the belief that like when you're reclaiming lost muscle tissue that you've, previously held, like that rate of accumulation will be significantly faster than accumulating brand new tissue.
0: Okay. So that's part of the reason for like maybe a faster rate of gain. Okay, cool. Um, And then, I mean, that's really cool. I love to hear that you are um, attacking this with the precision that, you know, most might approach a deficit, let's say. Is that different from how you've approached previous builds?
1: It is. Because from a, and this is a, this is like a term I'll use with a lot of my, my clients is it's, it's a, it's a flexible period. It's, it's a psychologically flexible period, right? Mm-hmm. Our margins for success are smaller. We know we just want to tip, tip the scale weight North. And it's a great time to have an additional, you know, two free meals per week. It's a great time to like take some days off of tracking. Cause like, you know, worst case scenario or the general worst case scenario was like, the scale goes up, right? That's what we want anyway. um, That being said, with, with myself personally, there's a couple of reasons. One, I've been lifting weights for 20 years, like literally 20 years at this point. So I've gained like an overwhelming majority of like what I have to gain from like a, a natural standpoint, right? I'd say in that 98 percentile sort of thing, I'm kind of scratching and clawing to, to make progress in, in you know, a, um, what's the word I want to use an appreciable amount of muscle gain that will be like, you know, not um, meaningless once I'm down at 192 pounds again, or something like that. Mm-hmm. The, the, the level of effort, like once, as, as you near those, those peaks, right. What it takes to move the needle is drastically different mm-hmm. and this was you know very very or became very very evident from my month long trip you know back to the states in may mm-hmm. um reason being is just with travel seeing friends seeing family like i couldn't run my 100% you know ship i was really operating at like a 80 20 85 15 and it i just for a month failed to make any progress Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, became very evident that like when you're, when you're chasing that last three pounds of your calorie deficit, when you're chasing, you know, the peak of your, your gain and training and everything is already, you know, very, very, uh, very hard and challenging. And your food is high when you're chasing those final, like two and a half to 5% and 80% effort. Not only does it not move the needle forward, it moves the needle backward. Mm.
0: Um. I know. Yeah, I know that, you know, because, again, I was following along, um, not in a creepy way, but, uh, you know, I know you had this trip back to the U.S. and then over to Hong Kong where you were getting like a million steps per day. Um, So your activity level was was clearly um, kind of through the roof there. But how did you approach that trip within this build? Um, Did you go, what kind of mindset did you approach this trip with? Like, were you expecting to see uh, progress or was it like, hey, let's hit pause on this? And then along with that, um, you know, how how do you find that you kind of trend naturally? Like, left to your own devices, are you going to undereat, you know?
1: I wouldn't say like left to my own devices will I undereat it's just like, I, I'm naturally like a very long, lanky, like skinny person. Like you look at my dad and my brother and my sister. Um, I'm, I'm, I've just kind of, I've like forced my body into like upper levels of where it doesn't like to be. So I don't have like my thumb, like on the pulse, I start losing weight. Mm -hmm. Um, and a very like natural settling weight for me, like periods in my life where I you know, when I was younger and I wasn't like, uh, really tracking my food or being like that adherent, I will settle into that, like low to mid one nineties. That is like a very normal-ish place for me. So being, you know, 15, no one, like 25 pounds heavier than that. If, if I'm not on top of it, like weight just starts sliding. And that's exactly what happened during the, during the trip back East. Um, there would be like right now, I think I do like technically six meals per day, but like two of them, like one's an intra workout shake. One's like an immediate post-workout shake. So those are kind of like not really meals. Um, I just settle into like a four feedings per day sort of thing. Yeah. My weight slides. And and when I got back from the U S trip and the Hong Kong trip, that like second day back, um, my, my weight dropped down to like the low 207s. And when I left for the trip, we were at like the two eleven threshold.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, mindset going into that trip though. Were you like, were mm-hmm. you expecting or hoping to see progress, or were you kind of like, okay, let's let's just understand, you know, what what reality is right now and what I'm capable of.
1: There, I in the beginning, I did have some kind of like like a, like a hopeless optimism sort of thing. Like I can figure it out, I'll make it work, you know. Mm-hmm. But the reality set in like rather quickly that we were on different people's schedules and in a wedding. And unless I like bullied, you know, my, my girlfriend Jenny into like my schedule and stuff, which we had a, you know, a great conversation about. And she was like, that's fine. You just have to tell me, you can't not say anything and then expect it to go this way. Um, which she's right. I, so I works then. Oh, it works, just, uh, works wonderfully. Cool. I think I just, I underestimated what it would actually, you know, require. And, and even with that, we still, we got in, we would hit the grocery store. I'd get, you know, like the uncle Ben's rice, rice packets. I, I would, I, I recreated like a very, very simple, easily repeatable meal plan for myself. But the reality of it is like, I would hit that like four and a half days of the week and there would be like a travel day where I'm eating like breakfast and, and that's really it besides some like plain snacks. And when you factor in like those large deficit days across the week like it, it, it's a net deficit that I would end up in and, and then weight would slide coupled with my activity level went up dramatically because here in Bali you can't really walk anywhere so like my step count is abysmal it's maybe like five thousand per day mm-hmm. um but then in, 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 we were we we're out a lot obviously at altitude when we were on the east Coast there's out you know in a more remote remote area was, was walking a lot more. And then Hong Kong, like absolutely crushed me from an activity standpoint. <laughs> so my activity levels like went up considerably and that really just brought, brought me down per se.
0: So if you had to do this over again, um, you know, if Jenny was like, Hey, guess what? Like we got to go to another wedding next month. Um, how would you approach this differently? Would you adjust, uh, your actions or your expectations or maybe both?
1: Uh so there is a wedding in September <laughs> coming up and an, another trip back to the states. And my approach was to say, Hey, I'm not coming.
0: <laughs> hey, that's a solution. <laughs> totally. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it was it was a really eye-opening. I love my schedule mm-hmm. and, and I am very I'm in this very really cool, interesting phase in my life where like work is I'm, I'm really enjoying work. Like let's, let's be, let's be honest. We get to do what we do is very, very cool. We're, we're very fortunate there. I have like a a good coach that I like. There's a, there's a pretty decent gym. Like I have nothing that I need to do except like work, eat, sleep and lift, you know, and train. And and I'm swinging for the fences. I'm like, this is the only period of my life, right? I'm 35 years old. I have like a two year, your your gap until I need to start a family, I'm in a very, you know, time that I will never get again. I want to see what I'm capable of sort of thing. I want to push my limits. And that was really, I'm like, this is just a priority to me. And another month long trip back to the States or two week trip back to the States is only going to set me back. And I'm just not that interested in going when I, when I really weighed everything.
0: Um, So for our audience now, I know like we have a lot of clients that are building, um, right now. And that is one of my favorite things to do, uh, with clients. I love adding muscle. I love just like getting into the nitty gritty of training. Um, so can you explain a little bit, um, to our audience? Why, when you went back to the States and you're like, yeah, weight dropped and that's not good. Why, why are you losing muscle? Are you losing fat? Like talk us, talk us through the psychology there like why we I don't think
1: i drop. Yeah. I think I may have lost a little bit of fat muscle. Probably. I mean, from an absolute standpoint, like yes, to any appreciable degree, the amount of appreciable fat I lost is potentially ever so slight. The amount of appreciable muscle, very unlikely that, that, that weight drop is going to be muscle glycogen, the accompanying water that gets stored with that Um, maybe some like, you know, cellular swelling, those sorts of things as training quality decreased Uh, a little bit of training inflammation that I that, that gets carried, you know, from like not having as intense training sessions and then having gaps within training sessions like this week, like make no make no mistake that that 215 peak that that I, you know, just weighed in this morning. There's a percentage of that that's just Training inflammation that I carry for you know 90% of the week, right? My legs are quite sore. I have you know chest DOMs, my my upper lats are, are a little bit sensitive. Like that's just inflammation. And obviously, inflammation causes s- swelling there. So there's there's a myriad of, of, of different you know potential factors. I would imagine my sodium intake went down. I mean, there's it's it's a lot of different uh, reasons that, that those things will shift, not to mention like changes in your bowel movement schedule and gut contents and food volume. It's it's a lot.
0: Yeah. And dealing with jet lag as well, like, especially when it's that extreme is
1: yeah. And that's like the, the Asia to to the USA trips are, are brutal. And Mm -hmm. I, I personally, I have a hard time sleeping on the plane So I I think it hits me a little bit harder than, than normal. And then that the first, like 24 to 48 hour period on either side, like I'm like a zombie and I'm when you're that tired and you feel that shitty, I'm not like, I have to get a meal. And I'm like, I just want to fucking sleep and like be left alone (laughs) sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. But now you're back and things are on track and, and we're seeing what we want to see. Okay, cool. Um, So We've touched on this a little bit just throughout, uh, but throughout this build or any build really, what metrics are we looking at here? Like week over week, month over month um, to define success, both um, objective as well as subjective.
1: Yeah. So from a, from an objective standpoint, like weekly average uh, body weight average is a, is a really, really good one. Uh, we're using a navel measurement as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Just to see how 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 much things are changing there. Um, A peak weigh in, right? Are we establishing a new high weigh in week over week? Those are the big like objective ones. I mean, I guess training progressions, right? That's that's not like something that I'm reporting in my check in each week, but I'm you know diligently tracking everything on my larger compound lifts? Are we seeing mostly week over week improvements in, 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 uh, load? And then obviously working through a rep range, increasing load, like, is that kind of cyclical progression occurring? And then from a subjective standpoint, like a hunger to satiety ratio, right? And how am I grossly Full and feel like I'm gonna vomit, and I don't want the food, and is affecting my you know performance in the gym. Am I going into the gym with a really full stomach? Am I having a hard time going to bed because I'm so full? Um, That's like a a really good subjective one. That's probably the biggest one I'd say we're, we're using here, and I think it's it's a little bit different being like a a client who's also a coach because some of the things that I would want to look into a little bit more, I'm not like reporting because I'm like, I know that they're working well. And I'm like, no, these things are good. Right. And and here the numbers. Uh, Things are good sort of. So like, like I'm sure you with your coach, you probably divulge probably much less information than many clients divulge to you because for you, it's, you know, what's signal and what's noise. So you probably just don't report the noise. Mm -hmm. Fair. Uh, Same with me. the, the biggest kind of shift has been the my body's adapt to an isocaloric, you know, in in ISO volume food level. So what was like a lot of food where I was kind of full at the end of the night, I didn't really want that last meal, now like goes down really easy. And I'll be clear, I don't want my last meal because I just <laughs> don't like it, but um I'm I'm not like full from it and it easily goes down and I would say I'm never full feeling throughout the day i'm like a a good satiated throughout the day and there's i'm not hungry except in the mornings but i don't feel like i'm really full it's just like oh fuck it's 11 30 i need to i need to get my next meal in because if i don't i'm trying to cram them all in from like four to four to nine or four to ten let's be honest and that doesn't work well
0: Mm and are you guys monitoring photos every week as well
1: oh yes (laughs) sorry of course photos photos every week
0: i figured but you know um and what have you seen with your naval measurement out of curiosity
1: it's growing um nothing to like an appreciable degree it's up maybe like an inch and a half maybe Mm -hmm. two inches um and i mean a large part of that gut contents right um and don't get me wrong. Like, there's body fat. There's, of course, body fat. I have appreciable body fat, um, but it's it's not been nearly as big as I would have thought. Um, especially knowing that like, there's so much more food in there. You know, on week twenty four, when compared to like week one, when that photo happened, sort of thing. So, like, knowing those sorts of of uh, things that affect like photos and measurements and stuff, uh, with that under the consideration, that's like. I would have thought things would have been worse. Mm,
0: okay. Um, and are you doing um, like a meal plan? I know, I know you repeat a lot of your meals, but is that on a plan or did you create one? Yeah. Yourself? It, I,
1: I'm, I'm on a plan. I'd like to say like one of my superpowers is following a meal plan. Mm. And I mean, this could be a whole episode in and of itself, but something that I've said is like nutrition nutrition means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Right. But for me, nutrition is, is, is my career. It is my job. So the amount of like satisfaction and enjoyment I get out of it has kind of been like blurred a little bit because it's, I'm not like, I've, one, I've never really been a foodie. And two, once you really learn the like nutritional sciences and and understanding like the composition of things and that sort of thing, it, it does get hard to justify eating some of them when you know like how straight up trash some food is for you. And that, so like coupled with that, you know, um, uh, like to say, knowledge is power or, or sometimes it's like a gift and a curse, right? Mm. Uh, coupled with the fact that, it's just really changed how I look at food. And now it's just like the food is a, especially for me, it is a mechanism for me to, to help me with my outcome of this goal. And the simpler I make it, the more better, the better we can control this outcome. So yeah, I've been on a meal plan since June 1st. I think we've changed it once. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's really uh, hard to like un, unsee or like unlearn what you know um, Yeah, even I have clients that say that as well. They're like I you know for oh, better yeah. or worse I just can't I can't look at this the same way and not think about what it is and it's like yeah, that's the education piece, right? Like
1: mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I don't I don't one of my first clients who said that like I I told him I was like, "Hey, we have to like he had he had lofty goals and he had also a little bit like loose of some alcohol on the weekends. And I said, I just showed him the numbers. I'm like, this is what happens. The days you drink, like, look at, look at these six weeks of of historical numbers on your, on your charts. And he's like, okay, I'm done drinking. I'm done drinking until, you know, we reach the goal. And he stuck to that. And then we reached the goal. We like, you know, came through feeding up and stuff. And he like started introducing alcohol again. And he, and he said, he's like, I just lost like the enjoyment in alcohol now. He's like, I never would have expected that to happen, but he's like, it just doesn't, do it for me. Like it used to. And I was like, yeah, I wasn't going to tell you that, but (laughs) it is like something that will happen. Like when you spend, when you spend enough time away from foods, your palate changes, right? Mm -hmm. My favorite example of this Mm -hmm. is when you remove purposefully adding additional sweeteners and sugars and candy and stuff into your diet during a calorie deficit, Mm -hmm. you reach a threshold where like blueberries and strawberries literally taste like candy. Mm-hmm. And then when you reintroduce that candy, it like lights you up a little bit, like too much, you know, and you're like, Whoa, this is way too sweet. And it's, it's just, a, that's like my favorite example of like your palate shifting by temporarily removing some foods, you know, from it. Um, but yeah, you're right. Mm.
0: Um, so on the training side of things, um, are you in any sort of like specialization phase? Like what's the game plan there? And how are you really um, you and Jackson, how are you like marrying um the nutrition and training piece right now? What's the goal?
1: Yeah, so Jackson is very big on like training very, very intensely, especially for someone like getting that impression
0: were... from his social.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love following um, like that, yeah. Yeah, and I think. The thing is for me and something that I struggled with, especially like, I'm sure potentially sometimes you listen to like, you know, eat, train, prosper with me and Brian and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's how I've like personally always gravitated towards. I've always had a really hard time with like stopping three reps shy of failure. And I'm like, why? I, I, I I don't, I just don't get it. Right. I I, personally, Mm -hmm. um, but I I think obviously the individualization piece is huge. Like another thing I never deload right? My life will deload for me eventually, right? May, I have this week, I can't really train, but like, I've never felt like I'm just so beat up from like systemically that I need to deload. Um, so I just don't, right? And and it's been like, there's been a couple people in my life that I've been you know, fortunate to meet, Jackson being one of them. And I'm like, okay, these these are people who are smarter than me, right? These are people with like PhDs and that sort of thing. And Prior, I'd listen, you know, and and read research, and be like, okay, well, these people are smarter than me, and they're saying, you know, I should not be training to failure. Who am I to think that like they don't know what they're talking about? I'm going to not do that. And and only recently, in the last like year or so, have I really started to like dig my heels in around things that I feel that I know from literally like my two decades of training. Especially for myself, I, I may do things differently with clients, but it's really given me like a bit more self-confidence to, to stick to my guns a little bit more, but going back, Jackson's like, we're going to train intensely. We're not going to do a lot of volume. We're going to have very high intensity sets, like things to failure, past failure. Um, I've really enjoyed it because I'm, I'm one where, like, if I know I have four sets of something, From a, from a psychological and mental standpoint, like I'm going to sandbag the first, at least the first one, because I have three more to do, you know, and then like, like, however many more exercises, but a a lot of my training is top set back off. So I'm like, I have one set at this weight. I give it everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And then my next set is like a 20% reduction in load. So just, you know, in and of that, that in and of itself it's a reduction in, in, in the systemic load and, and I should be able to get more reps off that sort of thing. So it is a lot of that. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say we have like a specialization per se. It's actually a lower, it's a lower lower body frequency than I would historically do. Mm. But because the intensity is so high, like I couldn't train quads twice per week right, right. now. Um, I just can't recover from them. Uh, I, I have my quad day on Monday until Friday. They're like very sore and I am like caloric surplus s- sleeping. Well, it's they're It's just, they're very intense. And I really only have like six working sets. Mm. Okay. Seven.
0: What's, what is your current training split? How many days per week? And what's your split
1: five Five days. Monday is a, is a, a, a quad focused leg day. Tuesday will be push. Wednesday will be pull. Um, Thursday is just a, a cardio day. Friday is a hamstring focused day. And then Saturday is an upper mixed day. Okay.
0: And has anything in there really changed since January or kind of still running the same?
1: Yep. yep. I'm running the exact same program that I've been on for six months still making progressions. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There's like little things that have changed. Like I, I started it at one gym and then I went to another gym. So I'm like, okay, I'm on a different leg extension. Um, the hack squad is like slightly different, th- those sorts of things. And then now, obviously when I was back in the States, I had to modify some things based on the gym I was at. Now I'm at another gym here. And, you know, so there has been some variation just in in the equipment. And that is going to change things a little bit because yeah, week one, you're you're establishing load. Week two, you find out that if you move the, the the femur setting back one more, you get it lines up better. Okay. That's like so now you're in a kind of a wash between week one and week two. Week two to week four, you're getting some neural adaptations and figuring out like where to, you know, really produce force in this machine really well. Okay. Now we're like week five and I'm, you know, my, my settings are set. My, my neural adaptations are probably mostly behind me. And now we're actually getting into a little bit of like pure hypertrophy adaptation. So there has been variation, but, but the plan has been the same pretty much. Yeah. I
0: mean, those variations have not been on purpose. It's been circumstantial sounds like
1: i mean yeah circumstantial i've chosen to to change gyms um oh, so well, that's okay. Not, okay. not purely circumstantial but yeah
0: but i guess you know just to to make it abundantly clear and drive the point home um it's not it's you're not trying to change things up frequently
1: no like i'm i'm a big like it's not broken like why why fuck with it you know like it's we're producing tangible week over week process why change it and when i get this question from clients like oftentimes I'll, I'll put the ball back in their court and they're like i'll be like oh well why like oh well, you know to change it up and i'm like are you why are you, do you are you making progress or like yeah are you making week-over-week progress like yeah what, what? is the goal novelty or is the goal like muscle mass or hypertrophy and like hypertrophy Let's not let's not let's not break something that's not broken, you know, for for novelty. And I think it's just it depends, right? Like it, like if you're running, if your business is you're selling a training program, like or a training subscription, yes, there has to be some sort of novelty because you can't be like, hey, person, pay me seven months in a row for a program that doesn't that's change. Thing, right? like, fucking why? So so I, I get it from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. If you're in like, you know, Olympic weightlifting, obviously like CrossFit or or powerlifting, those progressions, there's a bit more science to those and a bit less art. Where when the game is hypertrophy, it's a bit more of of an art and less science because it's hypertrophy is such a forgiving adaptation. And and I think that is where, you know, context is really, really important. Mm.
0: Um something that you kind of touched on earlier in your intro and you know you said um that you're now kind of uh taking some training clients as well and uh, you know I, you obviously know how um how synergistically these things can and should uh function um and work together but on the nutrition only side of things like when you have a client who comes to you and they're like hey I just really want to build muscle can you help me with my nutrition I've got the training covered um, how are you taking them through that build without being hands on in their training.
1: Would you? I get I try to get a little bit more information of what training looks like. Okay. I'm um, just I mean just so I can say like hey, I don't want to step on on you know your toes or like this is this is fucking stupid. <laughs> like, <"I'm> sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a client who's working with a trainer and and that you know that's perfectly fine. Then I found out that they were training 7 days per week. And he's just like he's like a regular dude like mid 30s and I'm like no, what are you doing? Like, you can't. Rec- One, if you really were training like this, you can't recover seven days per week. It's a horrible investment or return on your time. So, like, think like there's things like that where I'm like, no, like I'm taking the reins on this. You know, like hey, this is this is stupid. So, um, it really depends, but I want well, I just want to see and like oftentimes, like. People will come to me from you know uh, like Paragon Training or Evolved, which is you know Brian, my podcast co-host. I'm like, great! I know you're following a wonderful program. Like, keep doing that, and we just take. And I'll still want to know like, is your training progressing? Right, that that's like a question in my in my check-in, my weekly check-in. Like, is training progressing? Because it is like it's a proxy. It's it's not like a direct or correlative thing that you're not making progress, but it is like a decent proxy. Yeah. Oh, I'm not making progress. First, uh, progress is is completely stalled. It, it's it's enough to to start asking questions around why. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I run it very much the same, just with like this asterisk assumption that they're on an intelligent training program, and I'm not. I don't want it to make it seem like I'm some training like you know, demigod out there. Um, many people do really, really good training programs. And I'm kind of like, I just want to know so that I know you're not on something like really dumb. Cause there is equal amounts of like really horrible training programs out there.
0: Yeah. I know I've run into, um, a situation a few times, a few clients where, you know, they, you know, they're like, I've got my training covered. This is the program I'm doing. I'm like, oh, all right. You know, makes sense. Mm. And you know, we've just reached a point, you know, and they're, they're, goal is to build muscle. And, um, you know, I've just had to, you know, I'm like, Hey, can I, can I maybe just see some videos? Like, can I just, can I just see you in action? See what you're up to. Um, and you know, it turned into actually more of a weekly, like, yeah, keep sending me your videos, you know? Cause I think, yeah. um, I, you know, I'm not sure like with your clients, but sometimes, you know, I, I find that a lot of people don't always realize that like how big a piece of this whole thing training really is in a build. It's like, you got to eat, but that's not it. Like eating's not actually what gives you like the, the stimulus and the adaptation that you're looking for. You know, it's going to give you some heft for sure, but like, we gotta, we gotta make sure we're steering the ship toward where we want it, which is muscle and less fat. Right. Um, But yeah, I, I found, um, that's just a big knowledge gap um, with, with a lot of people. And I, it's very, it's very hard. I, I find it challenging to like build a client um, sometimes without being in control of their training for that reason, because it's, it's not, it's not just programming, right? It's also like, what, what's your execution?
1: Execution intensity. And yep. that's like where a volume thing really comes into play, right? Like the people, and, and I am a recovering high volume person, mm-hmm. but like I said, not that long ago if I had to do four sets, like I'm not taking that first set to the house because I'm like, I can't, I have three more sets. Like I, I can't do that. Um, So it, it's something that like, yeah, I, I want to see a little bit of, and, and also something that people think like, oh, I'm lifting, I'm training and I want to build. So I just like turn the food up. You exactly. know what I mean? Which is, it's a way of doing it. it. It isn't always like the best way or people think like that's just the way that it is. Obviously after- you know, uh, meals with sufficient protein, you get that muscle protein, uh, synthesis spike, but you get a much larger MPS spike from like your actual training bout your bout of training. And it, it is like, as training becomes more effective and you can hit those spikes better, like you don't need to turn the food up mm. as much right now. I'm my, I'm only at like 30, 34, 3,500 calories. Mm right? Like the last time I was near last time I was like well into 200 pounds, I had another like four or 500 calories per day. Um, my training wasn't as optimized and in, um, I was also going to do like a lot of like smoothies and that sort of thing to like get all the food down. But it's, it's one of those things. It's not like, it's not always one way, right? The training becomes, can become more important in, in like your, your certain contexts, you know, and I want to be careful saying that because training is sexy, right? Everyone loves training. The variables are fun to modify. If we do this here, if we do that here, but for an overwhelming majority of, of clients that co- co- reach out to like a fitness coach or nutrition coach, or whatever nutrition is the needle mover because yeah. 90%, maybe more want fat loss. Right. And for those 90%, yes, the training is important, but it's sexy and people get shiny new object syndrome with training, but let nutrition fall by the wayside in, in four, again, those 90%, like that nutrition is your needle mover. The example I love is like, I can take two guys or two, two humans. One gets the best training program in the world. And it has all these, you know, it's the best training program in the world, right? But we're going to give them like a 75-25 nutrition effort, right? And let's say their goal is just, hey, I want I want that summer body, right? So we'll use a little bit of a subjective terminology. Second person, we give them on like a basic power building program with like, you know, squat bench dead, a couple accessories, four days per week. But we dial in that nutrition, who's going to have that summer body, right? Mm-hmm. Person B. In in for ninety percent of of a client population, option B is really what people need. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so where do you think that most people, most clients or coaches, go wrong with their builds? Common pitfalls, uh, what you see in your experience.
1: Not paying close enough attention to the rate of gain, Mm. and and averages, and trying to do things too fast, right? Like we we hear like the six week six week gain put on twelve pounds of muscle in six weeks. It's more like put on four pounds of muscle in six weeks and eight pounds of fat in six weeks, right? And then the hard thing there is when at those ratios, like your body composition is exponentially getting worse. Mm. Uh, So that's one thing I think just like with most things, the timelines are unrealistic. Mm. Um, And that's, let's be clear, that's a marketing ploy, because it's really sexy to say, hey, buy this six week, you know, program to completely blow up your physique, as opposed to be like, hey, let's do this for six months long, diligently, And and then you'll get what you want, right? It's hard to sell that. It's much easier to sell the six week, you know, arm exploding program sort of thing.
0: And then Um, when we get to six months, let's keep going.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Right. Oh, you're not fat enough. We got to keep going. Um, The second I I think is people getting too flexible Mm. with their nutrition, even in the gaining phase. And it's not that the flexibility is, is, is inherently bad. It's that the more flexible that you are, the bigger your margin of error becomes. Yeah.
0: Do you also, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but you know, everything you say, I'm like, Oh, I want to get this question in too. Um, mm-hmm. but what, you know, do you find when people are getting so flexible, like within a build, it just becomes harder to read the tea leaves, so to speak, to like weed through the noise because it's like, Hey, like I I'm, I'm not really sure what we're looking at here. You know, we're, we're really trying to establish a rate of gain week over week, month over month. And like this data skewed, you know, there's a lot of variation here. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: When you have that much variation, assuming someone's not sick and hydration's, you know, the same, um, a, a good question to ask, like, are we having bowel movements, right? That's one that people really forget when you get the client and they're like, why is my weight going up this week? And you're like, you haven't had a bowel movement since Saturday. It's Wednesday. You keep putting food in. It's not coming out. Like, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> you know it's what got, I mean? So
0: sometimes gotta somewhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's got to be somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, sometimes like you just have to ask, like dig in and, and know like, okay, what are like the top three things to check off the top to ask But When you're seeing a lot of variation, especially within a week, what you know you have is poor control. Mm. Very straightforward, right? And now different people, like you're going to have to find what is normal variation for that client, right? Because there's some people like, my weight fluctuates pounds day to day, Mm -hmm. like two, two and a half pounds per day. Um, And that's with eating the exact same food, right? But things like you know, the the post, like certain days I have much worse DOMs than others, like for right. a 48 period for a 48 hour period after any legs, I get two, I get two spikes. I know that. And there's a day it craters off. Um, but it's it's knowing for that client what is, you know, approximately within those bounds. And then when you do have those, a lot of variations, you know, your controls just not as good. And something that I've really started, it's a simple one. As I start asking in my check-ins, how many meals were eaten out this week Mm. off plan? Like how many meals out of normalcy? And if we're getting like five or six, okay. We know our, our margin of error is at best on the week, 15%, Mm. right? That's huge. Right. Especially if you're in a calorie deficit, there's your deficit right there, you know, gone with that 15% margin of error. Especially, you know, knowing when it's human nature that we underreport our intake, even if we're at the restaurant, you know, estimating our 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 food. Okay, Um, you know, I got I got some I got this the steak and the salad and you know potatoes. Okay, four four hundred and thirty calories. The fuck it is, right? Mm-hmm. That's an eight hundred calorie meal, right? It, I'm it, like, we, if it is tastier
0: it. than what you would make at home, try again. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So a rule of thumb that I use is with my clients. I mean, if you're out estimating, right, estimate like the the, the top, the biggest four calorie containing ingredients, get to like what you think it is. If it's like a clean, you know, using air quotes, objective thing here, add 15% to your, to your baseline. Okay. We, we estimate whatever 500 calories add 15%. If it's like a if there's things that are like, you know, cooked in an oil that you can see, if it's a little bit not so, we're at in 25. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, I still think we're coming up short on, on yeah. many of them to be completely honest. Yeah.
0: Um, coaching your clients through builds. Are you, are you implementing free meals typically? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I do. It, it really depends on the, the, the loftiness of the ambition of the client, right? And, and I think something, you know, from a coaching standpoint is, just like knowing where this fits into your clients, like life and, and how, how much do they really like to be challenged? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, implementing free meals, especially I, I kind of like skew a little bit like North. Um, I would say I have a lot of like dads, you know, mid forties, fifties, things like that. I mean, these are, these, are, these are people with families, you know, and I, and I have to be like, okay, uh, like one of them, okay, kids love pizza every Friday night. I'm like, yes, we're having two slices of pizza with the kids. And I remember like when I was a child, my family did Friday night pizza night and I fucking loved it. It right? <laughs> was like, I was like foaming at the mouth for pizza on Friday night as a kid. So I was like, I'm not, I don't want to take this from him. Like we will, we will solve other parts of the week so that we can make this happen sort of thing. So I I think it's really knowing the client, knowing their ambition and then knowing their timeline too, because people I find in in terms of resources, people have, they have time or they have money. Right. And then they're generally like an inverse correlation. So you might have a client who's like, Hey, I can't work with you for 18 months, but so I want to move fast. I'm like, got it. I understand. Like that means we're going to sacrifice more, and then you might have another client who's like, "Hey, I, I'm established. I, I I have a good career. Like, I make good money. I'm okay if this takes us 12 months to accomplish, but I want to still have like a weekly date night with my wife, and you know, a free meal or two on the weekend." Like, okay, got it. <laughs> but like, like with many things, like communicating that. Don't assume what it is, and then that was how you kind of meet your client's expectations in terms of effort to results expected.
0: Sure. Um, well, I know we're coming up on time. So um, I did want to ask you, I know that, you know, you're still going in this build and there is no timeline, but, you know, within this nebulous timeline, what would next steps look like for you, for your journey? Like, are, are you going to go into a deficit then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do yeah. you anticipate that's going to be like?
1: I, I told Jackson, I said, so I'm... I want to make sure I choose my words carefully here. I've never had a hard diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because of that, I, I've, I've been, I'm larger than my body really wants to be. So inherently when I like reduce, you know, the food, it, it's just like sick. It just like dumps the weight off. Um, I've had, I've only really had two like larger diets dieting periods in my life personally, um, intentionally. Uh, when I was, you know, younger and involved in CrossFit, there'd be some of that, but that I just didn't know activity level was just so high and my food was was stupid. Um, both about 20 weeks, uh, one was much faster in terms of, I lost almost 30 pounds. Uh, another one was much less, only like maybe 10. Um, I told him, I was like, I want, I want to, I'm essentially want to treat this like a prep, right? I want to gain some, some personal experience never had to really do any true cardio. I've never like gone up in the morning to go do cardio or anything like that. Like I was just one of them. We were living in Salt Lake city and we just like went hiking on the weekends. And I went for like a walk around the block, like two times per day. I was (laughs) getting 15,000 steps, you know, on average over the week. Um, So I was like, I want to, I want to treat it like a prep a little bit just so that I can learn a little bit more um, from like a, from a challenge standpoint.
0: Awesome. Well, I am looking forward to, um, seeing how things progress and develop. Um, and, uh, so for everyone else that also wants to follow along, can you let everyone know where they can find you and anything else you want to plug?
1: Yeah. So easiest probably be Instagram, which is Aaron underscore Straker. Uh, you can find more, uh, information about coaching, different things I have on Straker nutrition co. Um, And also I, Host a mostly weekly podcast, but we have a uh, off to a slow June uh, with my friend Brian Borstein, which is called Eat, Train, Prosper, and you can find that on all the social and YouTube platforms.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for taking time to speak with us um, this morning for your time this evening for us, um, and we will look forward to getting you back on the podcast later. And for everyone else out there, um, we love feedback and we love reviews. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple. Um, Let us know what you like and what you would like to hear more of. And we look forward to
1: talking to you again. Take care. Thank you, Natalie.